Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk with Chris Peters, NHL draft analyst on Team USA and their hopes of repeating at the World Juniors starting Boxing Day. We'll also talk to the new commissioner of the Winnipeg High School Football League, David Lowe, on the podcast. We're going to look ahead to Team USA and their journey to repeat as champions with Chris Peters, who covers hockey for Daily Faceoff. He's an NHL draft and prospect analyst and joins us now on the show. Chris, welcome on board. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, my pleasure. It's it's nice to talk about some sports that are uh, actually happening. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah. Yeah. No Olympics. NHL's on pause. But hey, we got junior hockey coming up in Alberta. So it's all good. So Team USA coming off that gold in the bubble last year in the same place. Looking ahead to this year, I asked Sam Cosentino yesterday, is Canada the favorite to win? And he said, probably. Is Team USA the favorite to win, in your opinion? Or is it Canada? Well, you know, I think when you look at the teams on paper, you're certainly going to lean towards Canada. I mean, I, I think that really, you know, in terms of the depth of talent and particularly at the forward position and also in goaltending, you know, I think this is probably one of the best goaltending trios that Canada's brought to this tournament in some time. Uh, with Sebastian Kosa and, and Dylan Grand and, and even Brett Brochu who's undrafted, but but has had a very successful junior career with the London Knights. So, you know, I think that that's probably the, the goaltending and the forward group is really what separates. I would say that the U.S. has the best decor going into the tournament. Um, you know, I think that that's by not by a significant margin, but certainly by enough of a margin to say that this is, you know, I, I feel pretty confident in saying that the, the, the group that they're bringing um, is the best in the tournament. And, it's just a matter of is that enough for for them to to outlast Canada? I think you know when you've got the the home ice advantage and and other things like that, and we're expecting fifty percent capacity for now uh, at the at the tournament. You know that can make a difference, uh, but yeah, I mean ba- just based on paper and certainly the betting odds and everything else, it, it, they will favor Canada, um, and I can't argue with that. Who are the players to watch on Team USA? Yeah, you know, there, there's a really good group. I think mentioning that decor, the reason that it's so strong is, is uh, has a lot to do with Ottawa Senators draft pick Jake Sanderson. I think he's been one of the best players in college hockey. He's going to wear the seat for Team USA, probably play a ton of minutes in the game. Um, you know, he's really added an offensive element uh, or more of an offensive element to his game this year, averaging over a point per game for the University of North Dakota, not too far away down in Grand Forks, um, and, and has been really – uh, doing a, a phenomenal job, and, and, and a big reason that he's the, the captain isn't just because you know he's a good leader, which he is, but it's also because Team USA views him firmly as their best player. Um, on the decor, they also have Luke Hughes, who was the number four pick of the New Jersey Devils in the last draft, obviously the youngest brother of Quinn and Jack Hughes, um, now being the third Hughes brother to play in this tournament, and should play a pretty significant role in the top four. But, but a guy that a lot of NHL fans might not be as familiar with on that blue line, um, is, is Brock Faber, who's a Los Angeles Kings draft pick, um, very solid, plays at the University of Minnesota, was on the team last year, and really over the course of the last tournament, uh, moved his way up the lineup and, and made a made a real big impact for Team USA uh, in that game defensively and, and specifically against Canada in the gold medal game, where I think that was maybe one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen from a U.S. team at a World Junior Championship, just how dominant they were in that regard, and Brock Faber had a lot to do with that. And if you're talking about forwards, you got to look at Matty Veneers, number two pick in the last draft of the Seattle Kraken, first-ever draft pick there. He's going to wear an A for Team USA. He's going to be their number one center. 
Um, and, you know, he plays at the University of Michigan with all those great players there. And, you know, last year, despite not being as heralded as some of the other guys that came in there, like Owen Power and Kent Johnson, it may not have had the points. Um, he was the guy that the team viewed as, as their best uh, rookie of the year. So, you know, I think that says a lot when your team selects you for that award when you come in with the greatest freshman class, maybe in the history of the NCAA. So um, I think he'll be a huge impact player for Team USA as well. Of course, people in this market want to know about Chaz Lucius, who the Jets picked in the first round of the last draft. What kind of role and impact can he have for this team? Well, you know, I think it's going to be a bit moving. It's going to be a moving target to find out exactly what the role Chaz is going to end up playing. But I think that the thing that that made him a first round draft pick and the reason that he should have an impact in this tournament is he is one of the most skilled players on Team USA. I think he's got uh, a deadly release on his shot. He's very confident in, in his ability to get that shot off. He creates space for himself. You know, so I think you'll probably end up seeing him. It, there's po- the possibility that he'll be in a top six role might be more like a middle six kind of situation where he's in a scoring depth role. Cause he is one of the younger players. And, you know, he's had some injury troubles these last couple of years and staying healthy is, it's been a, a problem and, and getting that, that makes it difficult to be consistent as well. So we've seen ups and downs for him in his first college season at the University of Minnesota. But heading into the camp, he really started scoring again. So, you know, I think if he's going to make an impact on this team, there's a real there's a real possibility that he could end up on the top line. I think the, the right wing position on the top line with Matty Beneers and Brett Berard, who's a, a Rangers draft pick, is not fully set yet. So Lucius has been a, among the players that have kind of gotten opportunities and looks in that role in practices and in training camp. So uh, there is still the, the possibility that he plays an outsized role for the team. And he certainly has the scoring ability to make an impact, though. There's a feeling, I think, that a lot of people have in Canada that we're the country that cares the most about this tournament and that a lot of other countries, they're, you know, hockey fans watch it, but it's really a, a Canada-first tournament. How much does this tournament register in the United States? Um, you know, I think it is registered far more than it ever had in in the previous decade it helps that the u.s has had four instances since 2010 where they won the gold medal um i would say that that 2017 gold medal game between canada and the u.s that troy terry ended up winning for them in the shootout um that was probably the 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 biggest crossover moment for in the history for uh, of the tournament in the u.s i mean that that became a game that everybody was watching um and so that really upped the interest and so i'd say if you are a hockey fan in the United States, a fervent fan of your NHL team, you have a significant amount of interest in the World Junior Championship. If you're more of a casual hockey fan, it's not really going to register for you. So certainly you're not going to see the, the millions and millions of viewers that, that, that you get in Canada for this event, but it's definitely registering far more than it ever has. And I've, you know, I used to work at USA Hockey back before it really started resonating with, with the general hockey public. And I would say that those moments, uh, those golden moments in the last 10 years, essentially, has really brought it into the to, into the forefront, and it has become more of a tradition for for more hockey fans than ever before. Do you have a, a dark horse in this tournament, Canada, U.S.? We've talked about them, but is there another country you feel could make some noise here? Well, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily call Russia a dark horse, but I think they're a very dangerous team in this tournament. Uh, they're going to have a lot of scoring ability. They've got good speed up front and good skill as well. They have Matt Vaymichkov, who's not draft eligible until 2023, but he may be one of the best goal scorers in this tournament despite his youth. He's, he's already played in the KHL. He's already had opportunities there at, at, at high levels of the, of the world junior or of international hockey. 
with Russia. So um, he is a force to be reckoned with. And on top of that, they have Yaroslav Askarov and Nets, who was a first-round pick of the Nashville Predators. And, and I think he can be the difference maker. If he's on his game and he has not – his two trips to the last – Last two trips to the World Juniors have not gone very well for him. So this is his last opportunity to kind of shake that off and, and, and really reestablish himself as one of the best goaltending prospects in the world. You know, I think that's going to happen. But one other team that I would tell fans to watch is Slovakia because it is, they have not been relevant for a really long time on the international stage. But they finally have a group of players, and it might not be this year, but they're going to be building towards something special with some of the guys they have, including first round potential first-round draft pick, uh, Seaman Nemitz, who, who is uh, one of the top defensemen for the draft this year, Uri Slopkowski, who plays in Finland professionally and, and has, has been an impact player. Both of those guys have played for the Slovakian senior team. And then they also have Philip Mayshar, who was a, a standout player at the Holinka Gretzky Cup. And, and Slovakia actually went to the championship game of the Holinka Gretzky Cup this year, ended up losing to Russia. But that's that's how good this group can be. They they managed to, you know, Canada wasn't there this year, but Sweden, Finland, USA were, and they managed to, uh, you know, get past some of those teams as well. So I would say that Slovakia very well could be that team that, that ruins somebody's tournament with, with the amount of skill that they're going to have in their lineup. So are we down then on Sweden, who just always wins in the round robin and never wins a gold medal? <laughs> You know, this year I think it's going to be really difficult. They're a very top-heavy team. They have great talent up front um, with William Eklund and uh, Alexander Holtz was released by the New Jersey Devils, and they have a couple other first-round draft picks in their forward group. And they also have a really good top defensive pairing uh, and a good goaltender in Jesper Wallstedt. Well, unfortunately, you need more than a top line, a top D pairing, and a goaltender to, to really have a chance to win gold. So it would take a very, very special effort for Sweden in this one, and they're in the group of death in terms of their their uh, round robin, where they're going to have to play the U.S. and Russia and Slovakia, um, who will not be a pushover. So, you know, if Sweden's not careful, you you might find, finish third or even fourth in the group, and then you got to play Canada more than likely in the in the quarterfinals. So it's it's going to be very difficult for them. Um, they're going to need some Herculean performances by those guys that I mentioned because I just don't think they have the depth to, to contend with some of those other big teams this year. I'll leave you off with this. We know the Olympic news, NHLers aren't going. So is this now just a question of going to people and saying, hey, you want to play the Olympics? <laughs> yeah, I mean, keep your skates sharp, everybody in Canada and the United States right now, because uh, there's a possibility. I, I mean, really, you know, Canada has been preparing for their contingencies. U.S. has uh, a little bit less officially um, you know Canada actually had a team play at the Channel One Cup and we're planning to send a team to the Spengler Cup so they've been evaluating players for those tournaments so that gives them a bit of a leg up at least to find players it'll mostly be European pros I think you'll very you're very likely to see players that play in this world junior championship maybe not for the U.S. and Canada but definitely for the European teams that will be asked to go play for their national teams at the Olympics uh, we saw Rasmus Dahlin and Miro Heiskinen do that a couple of years ago um, so it's certainly possible to to have that happen. But, I mean, I'll tell you what, it's it's a real shame that the NHL is not going. And it's not only that, because you don't have as much time to prepare a team without them. So, yeah, it very well could be. I mean, I you guys might see me on TV out there. If they call, I'll go because, I mean, okay. I got nothing better to do. But uh, that would be uh, that'd be really bad. I have a feeling that those KHL pros might actually literally eat me. So uh, I, I don't think I'm going to do that. 
I think my beer league schedule might interfere with the Olympics. So I think I might be tied up, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll watch anyway, either no matter who's playing it. I think I'm going to watch Chris. Appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this and have yourself a, a happy holiday season. Yeah, you as well. Thanks so much for the invite. Appreciate it. Let's talk high school football. Shall we? The Winnipeg high school football league has named its next commissioner. David Lowe has been picked to take over for the retiring Rick Hankowitz, who came out of retirement after previous commissioner Jeffrey Bannon left Manitoba for a job in Alberta. I talked to David earlier today, and I started by congratulating him on the new gig and asking him when he found out he was being chosen for the job. Uh, the uh, the initial phone call came in from Aaron uh, late yesterday afternoon uh, after I had a Zoom meeting uh, with uh, 40 of their uh, nicest high school uh, football coaches. So is this something you had to apply for? Were you selected? How did this work? Yeah, there was an application process, and within the process, the first step was to sit down with uh, two individuals from the Winnipeg School Division Number 1. That process, uh, the interview was roughly about an hour and a half, and it's my understanding that I was not the only individual that was selected for the first interview. Uh, but after they did their initial interviews, um, I was told that my name was the only one put forward to the coaches to have this at the meeting that we had yesterday. Now, this is obviously not your your whole job. You have an actual job. So when was the last time you had a job interview? Um, so great question. And um, uh, let's go on record since we are taping this. Uh, that uh, as we were doing an interview on me, I'm pretty sure I was actually doing the interview of them. Um, I am an employer. Uh, I own a uh, manufacturing facility in the city, and I've been doing that for the last 21 years. So it's been a long time since I was on the other side of the desk, you could say. So were you nervous? I'll be honest with you, um, I was a little bit nervous, and uh, anyone that knows me would not really put um, those two things together. Uh, I think, truth be told, the initial interview, uh, because we did do, we were able to do it in person, um, I, I'm not, uh, not sure I was, was ultra nervous, uh, but yesterday... Um, I had some jitters in the belly during the day before uh, the three o'clock time of the Zoom call with 40 individuals. So you've been a past president of the Manitoba Minor Football Association. So this being in a position of leadership in a football organization in this city and province is not new to you, but how do you feel like your experience in that role will help you going into this? So just to um, fill in the uh, the resume, so to speak, um, I am a past president of the Fort Gary Lions Football Club. I am a I'm still currently, as we sit today, I am still actually the president okay. of the Mantua Minor Football Association, only because our AGM is uh, in January, uh, at uh, which time they will be uh, selecting a new president. Uh, so I have been on the MFA board for the past five years, obviously three years with Fort Gary before then. And I'm going to throw a little bit of family history uh, that uh, if you were to call up uh, Mr. Bob Irving, 
and mention the name Reg Blow. Uh, Bob would have a pretty good idea of who my father is. Uh, my father is in the Blue Bomber Hall of Fame as a past president. So the volunteer bug uh, was uh, was always prevalent in our family and something that uh, was always looked at as a very good use of one's time. Beyond volunteering, though, volunteering with football specifically. Um. <laughs> It um, it has worked out that way for myself. Uh, my dad did did have some other uh, volunteer experience. He was the head of junior achievement. Uh, he uh, ran the United Way. Uh, he was their campaign chairman for one year, uh, and also he was uh, he's a past president of the Manitoba Club. Uh, so he was a little bit more uh, variety in his volunteer work. I seem to have just uh, gone down the rabbit hole of football. And I love it. I, uh, I, I, we, we, we began this conversation with the last 24 hours and I've, I've been on cloud nine. Um, just, um, very proud of my past accomplishments that have allowed me to uh, position myself into, uh, the uh, commissioner of the Winnipeg high school football league. Did you play football? So great story. I've got, uh, three kids at home, uh, two boys, 16 and 17. They make fun of me that I played nose tackle for one year with the River Heights Cardinals. Um, and, uh, you know, when we joke about playing football, uh, they, uh, they, they are very quick to mention my one year of playing with the River Heights Cardinals when I was probably 10 or 11 years old. And that's it? And that's it. Do your kids play? Uh, they do. Um, great experience this year. First time ever in my life. Uh, I got to sit at the 55-yard line to watch the uh, St. Paul's Crusaders play the Vincent Massey Trojans uh, with one child on each team. Oh wow! So you had to you had to play the middle. There was no going either way, and I had uh, I've been involved with football through my kids playing, and obviously through my own um, involvements, and so I know a significant amount of people in the amateur football world. And they all walked by me and laughed because they knew exactly what was going on. <laughs> so in your position now as commissioner, do you have a to-do list or is that later down the line for you to figure out? So great question. And the question I got asked last night by my partner, Shannon, um, and I said, I know there is a to-do list. I, I, I have read the requirements, um, but I need to circle back and look at it. At, uh, and at that time, I actually... Uh, emailed and asked for it again, uh, and I actually have the requirements now sitting in my back pocket. Um, and just like previous with uh, being president of the Fort Gary Lions, uh, there was a to-do list. Um, on that to-do list, never was to was it named that I had to go pick up water bottles after parents refused to pick up their own mess, or that we might have some creatures that would fly over our field. Uh, at certain times of year and leave things on the field that you had to go and pick up. Um, so the, a to-do list is great because it does give you direction, especially for an individual like myself who's brand new into a position. But I also know that those are simply parameters, uh, and the list is probably much larger. <laughs> well, and it's certainly in coming next school year, we sure hope to heck that you don't have to deal with the COVID issues that were, were part of this year's calendar. For sure. 
Um, that being said, uh, with my involvement with the Manitoba Minor Football Association, we did put together a return to play ourselves. Um, so proud of my executive from this year and our uh, 14 club teams that enabled us to get a return to play put together, approved, and in place, and allow the children from ages 8 to 15, which is the Manitoba Minor Football Association, to get on the field this year. And people ask me what my biggest, proudest moment has been from the years of volunteering, and this year would be my proudest because we were able to get them on the field and we got through, I was almost in tears at championship weekend because we got there and uh, we were success and our return to play was done properly, safely and by some people that really cared about the product on the field along with the kids playing it. So you mentioned that your father was involved in, in football You've been involved in football for a long time, even though you barely played it. What is it about the sport that has drawn you in and kept you in for so long? So as we grow older and we, we, um, we, our friends evolve, so to speak, football is a family. Um, you will hear people say this. Uh, Wade Miller, who I would consider um, a friend. We've known each other for, for many years. Um, he will sit there and he will tell you that football is a unique sport because it really has a position for everyone. And so over the years, what's really kept me is that it's just seeing how there's just a spot out there for every different sort of person. And it's so unique where there might still only be one ball, just like there's one puck or, you know, depending on what other sport you play, but the skill sets required to play football at each different position, it's just amazing. It really is. Well, David, congratulations on the new gig. Appreciate your time tonight and uh, best of luck with everything in 2022 and have yourself a great holiday season. Thank you very much. I appreciate you reaching out and uh, I'm sure you will not soon lose my number. I am here to work with anyone and everyone, uh, including CGOB. I have nothing but the most respect for for your station and all the individuals that work there. So I look forward to a relationship with you moving forward. Appreciate that, David. Take care. All right, Christian. Happy holidays to you. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to